There are 7.5 billion people on planet Earth, and scientists say you can only make friends with 400 of them. Jacob already has 400 friends, so now he can only talk to strangers. This is a podcast with strangers. Remember last week I told you about the fly? Yeah. Yeah. Still here. So it survived. Yeah. I'm telling you, they're breeding. It's, yeah. the same, it's, it's a family of flies. It's not a fly. Yeah. Average house fly life. 28 days? Oh my god, fuck. <laughs> that, that fly <laughs> just entered into its midlife crisis. It's oh. going to be even more annoying. Oh my god. You know the funniest thing is? This fly, it, it comes alive at like 5pm. It has like a schedule. It clocks in. Well, yeah, he's a freaking adult. He has a job. <laughs> <laughs> this is his fucking job. I hate this. I hate this. All right, let's go on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a podcast with strangers. I am your host, Jacob Dyer. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Jacob Dyer. I'm here joined by my incredible. I keep on saying illustrious, and I I don't actually know what that I, means. Hang on, let me Google it. I, no, I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm pretty illustrious. Oh, a distinguished acclaimed noted. Yeah, all right, yeah, illustrious. I keep on calling yeah. illustrious. Uh, illustrious uh, producer and co-host, Dallas. How are you, Dallas? I'm doing good. I'm just, you know. Any news this week? Oh, yeah. Last week, I uh, put out another episode of our podcast. Yes. So, yeah. If you, if you yes. missed that, you should go listen to it. Correct. You should. That's the, that's the only news I have this week, actually. Wonderful. Well, people may be wondering what this podcast even is before they go and listen to another episode. And I have an answer for you. This is a podcast with strangers, which is where we do indeed have interviews with strangers, complete, complete strangers. We don't really know much about the people that we have on. Um, we don't do any background checks. We don't do criminal checks. We don't do anything of the sort. I mean, we do a little bit of research, but, um, Pretty much. Hell, even the, the format of the show dictates that we don't even learn too much about them exactly. while interviewing them. It, it's very, uh, I don't know if you have this term in America, seat, seat of your pants, fly by the seat of your pants. Now, I never really understood that because uh, pants can fly. And you don't really fly. I mean, you do fly sitting down when you're in a plane. I, I, I don't get it. Forget it. But yeah, we're, we're, we're doing our best with what little information we have. Let's put it that way. So, Dennis, who do we have on this week? We have a bunch of, you know, honorable mentions. No, we have some, we named this the honor episode. We did indeed. And uh, yeah, it's because we got some, take, you know, some take, soldier take guys. The time, take, take the time to find out who it is. Exactly. We got the flag guy and we got, we got, the, the, we got the army man. We got flag guy and army man. We are very professional. They have pretty hard names. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Someone's just turned this podcast off. Someone's just like, I'm not listening to this. Right. They don't even know who they've got on. Hey, we, we keep them strangers. We, <laughs> we take our job seriously. Okay. There's Eknasianer. Cool. That was my grandmother's and, name. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a pretty traditional name. That's why yep. I said it so good. Um, and then there's yeah, Simon. Yeah. Wait, and Simon. Simon. That's a pretty yeah. tough name, too. Yeah, it's very <laughs> tough. Ignacier and Simon, two honorable men, the honorable episode. Let's see what we learned. Dallas, play the first interview, please. You got it. Click. My next guest is Eric from Seattle. Eric, thank you for coming. Yeah, nice to be here. Eric, what would make you the happiest? if a mythical creature was discovered. So if like Bigfoot was proven to be real, would you be happy? Or if dragons were proven to be real? Or I mean, on a purely practical sense, I think unicorns, because then we can have wishes granted. That, like whatever creature you want. I mean, leprechauns are like mean, so right. I don't want them, but unicorns, like, I wouldn't mind riding a unicorn, would be pretty good. Do you think that capitalism would take advantage of these unicorns. I mean, of course, I guess the question is like, how quickly can we race to the unicorn to like wish away capitalism? And then, you know, I think the socialists <laughs> would win that race. Like you look at the growth of the internet and 
you know, it was all these anarchists and rebels and stuff. And they're like, we're going to make a new society. And then slowly capitalism found a way to like grind its way into that. And now the internet is just yeah. like a tool of capitalism. So I yeah. think we, I think we beat him to the unicorn. I really, one great example of that would be YouTube. Because yeah. YouTube's, YouTube's slogan at the start of it was um, broadcast yourself. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, now it's all like people as businesses and, <laughs> yes. and how to be an influencer. And then you get your like your placed content and your influencer stuff. Yeah. And I think the, the reason that happened potentially maybe is that companies started doing brand deals with people. And then it was mm -hmm. like, oh, I can actually like live off this. And then it became, I don't know, maybe an engine of sorts. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you're totally right. Like, you know, the internet just became more and more of a, a sterilized place. You know? Right. I, I keep being like, how do I get back to like IRC and like the early mm. days of web searching where you, you type in a term and you just get a bunch of people's like personal pages. Right. And now exactly. it's like everything is like ultra SEO optimized. Like people talk about, oh, like the robot overlords, when will they take us over? I'm like, they've already captured the internet. It's a bunch of search mm -hmm. bots and a bunch of like SEO algorithms that like we've lost. We don't have our own internet anymore. Yeah, and what's crazy is that I think the advent of Facebook, you know, before back the back, you know, back in 1999 when the Matrix came out, everyone had their mm -hmm. cool names, everyone had their cool uh, code names, and then um, Facebook started this trend where you put your real name everywhere. You start using yeah. your real name, you know. I remember Which, when Battle.net did that, everybody freaked out. They're like, I don't want to play video games with my real name. Right. Yeah, that's 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 not good, Battle.net. That's <laughs> not good. But hey, that's Blizzard Activision, and um, nobody should play their games until yeah. they've sorted out their, uh, their sexual... Uh, allegedly, sorry, I should probably cover my legal ass. Uh, alleged... I mean, I don't, I don't have a legal ass to cover, but it's like I, I work in the game industry, and 100%, like all those two stories sound completely true. Like I've, I've heard about that. My friends have suffered that kind of experience, so oh, I believe it. Well, I didn't know. I didn't actually know you worked in the game industry before this came on. Um, yeah. So, what do you do in the game industry? I'm a game designer. I'm kind of a like foot in both worlds between design and engineering. Um, Very cool. I've worked on, I've been in the game industry since 2006. Uh, I've worked yep. on Destiny. Right now I'm working on Fortnite. Uh, there's just bouncing around between a lot of different shooters and action games. I did a little while in virtual reality too. Oh, wow. Very cool. Do you miss that? The, do you miss the Dreamcast? Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's one of those things where like you, I didn't get into the Dreamcast until like after the Dreamcast was already dead. And so it's like, yeah. how can I miss something that I was there for? But my entire experience of the Dreamcast has been missing it. Yeah. Do you know what? I look at consoles now and I think to myself, like, well, I don't know how old you are, but were you around when the PlayStation 1 was out? Yeah. yeah. You know, you look at the PlayStation 5 or even the PlayStation 4 and you think to yourself, wireless controllers is standard an insane mm -hmm. amount of memory space incredible graphics the ps1 for those of you who are listening and you're you weren't born in the <laughs> what are these old men talking about yeah <laughs> well you had eight megabytes of storage data and your controllers were wired as standard and everything came on a disc there's no downloading if the game was broken on release it was just broken that was it no power Yep, that's it. Yeah. No patch. God, what a time. What a time. You know? Like, the. You think about it, like, the PS5 is something you dream up back in the 90s, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a whole, there's a whole era of, of games where I was just like, wow, this is what I always wanted a video game to, to look like. And now right. I go back to the, like 10 years ago and I'm like, eh, they're okay. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's like I, my dream of what video games could be like. I think that was always like a, a mirage. Like I thought, oh, one day we'll have like really cool graphics, and you'll see people's faces, and they'll have expression. And now I'm like, eh, subsurface scattering's okay, but I realize <laughs> now that that doesn't actually make it a good game. It just makes it like a pretty game. Yes, and, and now the things that touch me most are usually like weird indie games because they have such a cohesive voice because only one person made them and you're playing like Thomas right. was alone or something and you're like wow this game changed my life like the beginner's guide is amazing I've yeah. been playing uh 
Red Strings Club, and it's by a truple. It's like three people who are all dating each other, and they make mm-hmm. games together. And they're they made like a documentary of all their game jams, and it's this amazing window into their lives. And you feel like you get a sense of who these people are in a way that the huge monolith games that I work on never give to anyone. And yeah. and I just am totally fascinated with that. That is very very cool. Do you know what I miss about gaming? I miss hmm. um, cheats, cheat codes. You don't get cheat codes oh, in yeah. games anymore. You know, right? You get banned for that. Yeah, exactly. And I miss um, when you would buy a physical game; it would come with a little booklet, uh, like an mm-hmm. instructional guide. And sometimes it would have a few, like a bit of art, maybe inside it, or maybe like a little letter from the from the developers. And there'd be like a little notes section in the back for you to put add your own notes. I really miss that that yeah. tangible. But it, it's the whole mixed media experience, right? It's like right. the book and like, you know, Zelda, you want to go way back to this one, Zelda came with a map of the whole world that you could unroll in front yeah. of you. And like, I played that entire game with my cousin, like navigating with the map and the entire game. And, and that kind of mixed media experience is lost, I think, in the era of download games where it's like, you don't even get a box anymore. Like you don't even no. get the experience of cover art. And yeah. One of the things that I, I I like kind of see that echo today, but I would love to see more is like, how do we turn games into deeper experiences that bring in more tangible elements? And right. like, so one of the things that I was doing, uh, I was at Microsoft working on HoloLens and I was trying to find ways to create those experiences where it's not just an augmented reality experience that's like overlaid on top of the world because that's like playing a a game that has no physical component anymore Mm -hmm. but it's like how can i actually craft something where you can reach out and touch elements of the game and they're actual elements in your world you know and and that kind of blending of like the digital and and the physical is a really exciting frontier that you know we dabbled with with the manuals in like super nintendo days but we've yeah. almost completely stepped away from that i'd love to revisit well, there'll be some people who potentially i don't know if we'll have, even have a comment section on this podcast but i'm sure we'll get emails about this but mm-hmm. i'm sure there'll be some people email and they'll go i just listened to this episode with eric and, and whatever and you guys are talking about there's no physical stuff actually you do get physical stuff uh in collection collector's uh editions and okay sure collector's editions yeah yeah but they also come with a bunch of shit you don't want like a, a, a plastic statue of low quality you know what i mean and i think so much of that too is like not it's like tangential to the game like the fact that you have a statue of the protagonist on your desk almost detracts from the experience because it's he's no longer a character enveloped in that world he's sitting on your desk kind of trivializing his own existence it's like right. i want I want to like open the box. So the Destiny 1 Collector's Edition actually did a pretty cool job. No, it was, sorry, it wasn't Destiny 1. It was um, the Taken King, where like you open the box and inside there are artifacts from the game that you can't read in the game, but that you could open up and find secrets like written inside the book about oh, what cool. that thing that you're seeking in the game is. And so like to me, that enriched the experience and went back to that you know, opening up the manual, seeing, seeing yeah. the artwork, seeing the backstory. And like, if we're going to do a collector's edition, let's do stuff like that where it actually makes the game more powerful instead of, you know, just being some crap for my desk. Yeah. Halo Reach did a very cool collector's edition um, in the sense that it was um, a sort of, uh, what's the, what's the ter- uh, safety deposit box? It was like that. You oh, yeah. It had like documents, it had like an ID card in there and photographs and stuff that it was mm-hmm. very very cool um but then my heart breaks because you sort of think how many kids opened that and just went oh this is a bunch of shit this is just pieces of paper you know what i mean it you know it doesn't I, it doesn't break my heart because i feel like it makes it all the more special for the people who set magic it's like mm. uh, you know it's like the you go into the forest right and you see this waterfall yep. and you think when's the last time some human has appreciated this and it's almost better the more rare that is Right. Okay. So. That's the, I'm the pessimist. You're the optimist. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I see. I see. Uh, so, Eric, I found you on the internet. Yeah. In a very uh, specific place. 
Would you like to tell the listeners where I found you? Yeah, so I am one of the moderators for r slash Green Dawn on Reddit. Uh, Green Dawn is a very particular kind of subreddit where instead of just, you know, posting links to other things on the internet, uh, we actually go out and post little green army men in the real world as a sort of uh, troopers defending and, and securing real life locations. Uh, the Green Dawn is a reference to green army men. And uh, then we take pictures of those green army men standing in the Louvre or uh, you know New York City or out in the countryside in Nebraska. And then we post those pictures on Reddit uh, and we have our kind of little communication rules about uh, every time you post, you have to close with over or else there'll be chaos in the comms office. <laughs> uh, you should post the sector name, which is the area code uh, of the, the area that you posted the troop. And then uh, we all have call signs. So on Reddit, uh, my, my Reddit username basically breaks down to echo November, November in radio code. So everybody's posting these uh, army men pictures. Other people are upvoting good pictures. And the hope, like the ultimate goal, is that some random person finds your army men, sees written on the bottom r slash green dawn, and then comes to our subreddit and they're like, what even is this? <laughs> but did you come up with this plan? No, I just found it on Reddit one day and uh-huh. thought it was really cool and then started posting. And I kind of became a moderator almost by accident. Uh, the game <laughs> designer in me was like, the rank system that the Reddit has is is not great. And so I wanted to kind of write a new one. And so somebody's like, oh, we'll make you a moderator so that you can like make the sticky posts and stuff. And then like all the moderators just kind of like forgot about me. <laughs> and now oh. I'm one of the more active moderators because um, some of them are less active or moved to Discord or, uh, you know, just too busy to, to moderate actively. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's how I ended up as as a moderator, never something I volunteer for, but honestly baffling when I came across it, because I I'm trolling Reddit, I'm trying to find people mm-hmm. to troll to. And uh I d I didn't even know what I was clicking on when I said Red, a green dawn. I mean that could have been anything. That could have yeah. been uh that could have been an indoctrination program for what I knew. I don't know if I was gonna start learning that's <laughs> <laughs> a that's a weaponize uh my Nintendo Switch or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I was pleasantly surprised. Where do you find the army men? Do you buy them off Amazon, I'm assuming? In, in bulk? Oh, um, yeah. So I've bought some off of uh, Amazon before. I have a, I have an, a, probably an unusual amount of opinions about green army men. So <laughs> let's go. Let's uh, go. I've tried a lot of different options. Um, right. I Right now I'm using, I think, the Timmy... Vietnam Green Army 52-piece set. Uh, mm-hmm. Timmy makes some really solid ones. But I think actually my favorite ones to post were some Green Army men that I found in my like childhood toy box. Like years into green doing Green Dawn stuff, I found these yeah. little tiny army men that were like smaller than a penny. Uh, and that means that you can carry a whole bunch of them in your pocket. And right. then, and there's like way more of them. And so when I'd go someplace, I could set up a whole scene of like five or six guys and leave yeah. them there. Whereas, uh, you know, with the larger, like conventional size, it's really only comfortable to have two or three in your pocket at once. So what makes, so what makes for a bad army man set and what makes for a good army man set? Oh, well the bad ones are, don't stand up well. That's the right. thing. Like there are so many, you can buy like 107 pieces or like these barrels you get a barrel of like a thousand green army men and half of them fall over um right. part of part of what is cool about green dawn is you have your you know they're overlooking the missions office at your college right and so they're like scanning with their binoculars and the radio guys you know calling home but then like if a little breeze comes up and they have weak bases then you got like a pile of army men instead of a scene and so right. you want ones that are like have a lot of diverse poses like if you only have uh, if your kit only has like five differences, you know, like the grenade guy, the stabby knife guy, the laying down guy, and the commander, you're not going to have as fun, as much fun posting those over and over again. But if mm. you have eight, nine, ten uh, different poses, then you can kind of make the one that fits the scene. So like the binoculars guy and the aiming rifles guy are both really good to kind of draw your eye around a photograph. Um, yeah. Helps helps the, the person who's seeing your photo kind of understand the composition better. So those are some of my favorite pieces. 
uh, the, the, anybody who's laying down is also really good. So I actually hiked up uh, a mountain, a Black, Black Butte Mountain or something like that in uh-huh. Northern California. And there were like 20 mile an hour winds at the top. And so I could only post the laying got down guys, but I got some yeah. really amazing photos of Mount Shasta from there in this stormy, windy uh, day, like surrounded by clouds. So that's, I'll just leave those opinions. That's kind of a, a start of feelings I have for plastic army men sense, but. And is it, has COVID, um, has it impacted your, the green dawn? Has the green dawn been uh, yes. dormant through, through the pandemic? Um, it's been, it's been really hard for the hobby. Actually, we, uh, changed some of our rules initially. So we, we discourage something we call coffee table posts, which is just you posting pictures of army men on your coffee table or your living room floor or whatever. Right. There's no challenge. Yeah. And they're not fun to look at. It's like, I've seen right. so many pictures of army men on a carpet. I'm just like, that's all I do is moderate away army men on carpets. Right. Um, but we, for COVID, we kind of loosened up on that rule and we were just like, Hey, you know, if you have to post people in your house or your apartment or whatever because you can't go outside mm-hmm. fine so be it but we've seen participation drop a lot um and i think we still have so i would say our, our subreddit is a really weird ratio of like right. passive observers to posters um it's pretty common for our posts to get 300 500 upvotes but we probably only have four or five people posting at any particular time uh, like, you know, a month goes by and there's only five people. I think people get excited about the idea and they go crazy for a month and then mm-hmm. they kind of forget about it and then become an observer. And so we have constantly new people coming in. But um, over the last like year and a half, uh, total numbers have gone down, like participants, uh, upvotes have gone down. But since school has started again, uh, a lot of people have kind of reengaged. And, you know, as people get vaccinated, I'm hoping that we will kind of return to what it what it was previously um i travel a lot and so to me the most exciting posts are are like landmarks and and new countries and things that i've never heard heard of before and so whenever i see uh, a sector code that begins with like 66 or 89 or some number that i've never seen in a sector code oh, before cool. that's uh that's really exciting to me uh, so hopefully as travel resumes, we'll see a lot more of those posts and fewer of the just, hey, this is my school locker room, <laughs> which are we're good. Those are good. But, you know, I'd rather have Notre Dame. Well, I hope uh, that some listeners at least will uh, will flirt with the idea of engaging. You know, it, I, do you know what? The interesting thing is, I don't think army men are actually that popular in England, at least. So I'd have to uh, especially order them off Amazon. That's interesting. So often they're modeled after World War II British troops. Oh, really? US, so, kind of an irony. That is quite funny. Yeah, but I always got the impression that they were American. I always got the impression that they were American soldiers, or at least that's what they are over here. So that's, that's funny in itself. I wonder if it's like an exotic thing, that like, you make Americans and we make British. <laughs> yeah, it could. I don't know. It could also be something to do with like, glorifying war and not glorifying your own troops potentially uh yeah i don't know but we do that a lot in america yeah we love to glorify our troops i was gonna say but it's <laughs> never any other it's never any military of like it's never like the nepalese military i don't even know if they have one but you know what i'm trying to say it's never like yeah it's never like maui maui tribesmen it's always like world war ii style m16 garand rifles you know what i mean like it's always that it's never like I don't know. That was that was the era of infantry, I think. Right. You know, it's you can't really do Iraq and Afghanistan because they're <laughs> like drone <laughs> oh my satellite God. GPS troops. Yeah. I think um yeah, I think it might be in bad taste if you did Gulf War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's too soon. Yeah, it's we, a little bit too World soon. War Two is like only grandpa will be offended. <laughs> Even Vietnam is a little bit close to the Vietnam. Vietnam. That's that's it. You got to look for Vietnam troops. Yeah. But those have a certain certain kind of political edge. Yeah, but to them, ironically, like if they did like a charge of the light brigade, like World War, like old 18th century, 19th century troops, you know, Battle of the Somme. Would you, would you buy those? Would make you get into it? 
Jesus I, so, so Timmy actually has some really uh, obscure sets like that. Like you get like, you know, Revolutionary War, Native American stuff. Oh, very you cool. get like Russian Cold War era things. So I, I think that that's, that's out there. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's much more for the people who are very enthusiastic about Green Army Men already. Yeah. And so maybe won't draw in. Well, people. to the people who want to get into it, perhaps maybe if you want to like... You wanted to get into Green Dawn, but maybe you wanted to be a bit like a, of a maverick. You wanted to make your stuff a bit rare, yeah. stand out. Maybe you, know, you can deviate. I don't know what the rules are. I don't, I don't know if that's allowed. Oh, you know, whatever. We we have informally like there like no one in authority decided that this would be the thing. Right. But uh, the the tan mm -hmm. the tans are our enemy naturally, <laughs> and then there's like this whole faction system where like the the reds will attack anybody, but like the grays are. Uh, you know, our allies right. and then the yellow aligns with tan. So there's a whole like you can fit into the lore wherever you want. Um, you, there's like yoga Joes come up a long time where they're like green army men in yoga poses. What about blue? Blue? I, what, 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 where do blue stand? I, I, I forget where blue fits in. I think they're aligned with green. Yeah, they must be. Um, so uh, the one that I would love to see is like a regular poster using pink army men. Mm. Like those there's extensive sets in pink, but right. I don't, nobody nobody's bought in yet. Guys, come on, open goal right here. Yeah. Um. Well, Eric, it's been in incredible having you on, but we must wrap. Great. Um. But before you go, we like to give our guests uh, a moment to plug something. It could be their own social media. It could be a charity. Uh, it could be uh, an album. A music album that they've recently just enjoyed it could be anything you want it could be yourself no okay. one's, no one's going to judge you if you're just like listen this is what i want to promote and it's all about me it's up to you it's your time or you could just give a message to the world you could say hey guys listen up i got something to say so this is your time after you yeah well so i mean obviously there's there's the obligatory please join the green dawn like you know i'm here recruiting so Go to reddit.com slash r slash green dawn. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, you know, there's that one. I would think, so uh, my, one of the really powerful things that I've learned that I think a lot of other people, like the world would be a better place if other people understood that, is when you encounter a new idea, uh, you don't have to immediately believe it or immediately disbelieve it. You can just hold that idea for a while and kind of, play it around in your head and maybe maybe years go by and you just think about whether or not you believe or disbelieve this and to me that openness and that willingness to hold ideas without judging them until later or like withhold judgment until i understand more mm -hmm. has been really powerful in me growing both as like a individual but also as like a person in society and understanding Marxism or libertarianism or, you know, what the socialists and the progressives actually want or what the Tea Party actually wants and not judging these groups right. like out front, but but being willing to just like learn more without forming a positive or a negative opinion. And I would love to see if more people could could hold that undecided position for longer. Interesting. Well, we've never had anything like that before. We've never <laughs> had that one. Uh, that's an endorsement of a philosophy yes that's that's neat and we, and we love that we love that we love uh uniqueness and, and people's perspectives that's exactly what we made this podcast for so eric um yeah. from the green dawn thank you so much for coming on yeah it was great i i loved getting to know you and uh well thank you for listening as well Welcome back to a podcast with strangers. Now, what we'd like to do in the middle of the podcast is do, um, well, we do a varied amount of things. We did, um, last week we did a recipe. Uh, week before that, we did an advert for a company. And before that, we did some recommendations um, that come straight up from our heart. And the reason we do these things is because we don't, we don't have a sponsor. We, we tr we're trying, we are actually trying, um, Dallas, any any updates? Any here? Let me let me click. No, 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 no emails. No one replied back. Now, okay. Yeah. So we're gonna take it back to what we did at the start. We're gonna give you recommendations this week, um, and now we like giving these recommendations because they are honest. They're from our heart. We mean them. We're not paid to say them, and we feel like you, as the listener, 
deserve that kind of honesty. So Dallas, what is your recommendation this week? I wanted to shout out a neat little bait shop called Sleeps. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Every other episode should be a Sleeps shout out. We love them so much. (laughs) I wanted to uh, give a shout out to my best friend, Zach Amory. Okay. And not not because he's my best friend. That's he's kind of a shit friend. But I wanted to he he makes uh, awesome music. He he does Mm. a lot of the themes to a lot of our podcasts. Not this one. So (laughs) no, no, no reference with this one. But if you listen to any of the other Dead Set Media media, you'll Mm -hmm. you'll hear a lot of Zach. And he's a you know awesome composer, awesome musician. And he has a another musical project called Fight Your Foes that he does like covers and um, more like full length original pieces with. So, you know, it's worth it to check him out. Yeah. And he's worked with Billy. Um, he worked with Billy Eilish recently. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he got her famous, actually. That's uh, one of the things people don't tell you when they talk about Billy Eilish yeah. is that she's a talentless hack that was wow. made famous by Zach Amory. By Zach, yeah. Because yeah. he's the bad guy. Yeah. So yeah, he he's the bad guy she was yeah, talking about. That is. You only get that kind of information here. Yeah. That kind of wrong information. No, nope, 100% um, real. 100% not real. Uh, on the record, so 100% real. Should not sue be me. <laughs> Do not sue us. Okay. <laughs> My recommendation this week is for a, uh, a food. Oh, okay. food. Yeah, that was, that was Are you hungry there. when you do this? <laughs> when no. we record this, are you starving? Well, I'm going to shout out baked beans. Now, I, like I know that... Well, you're you're in good company. I I also enjoy baked beans, um, and and a tin of baked beans is sold in the UK every 17 seconds. That's actually a real fact. You can look that one up. Yeah, we're big we're big Heinz big Heinz uh, fans in the UK. Big up to the Heinz crew. You're tuning in. Um, there's some other people who are trying to muscle in on Heinz territory, but I, I, they have the monopoly. They have the monopoly on on the bean world on the bean rightly world. so they have the best beans right well do they i mean if they have the monopoly you don't you know you should try and you should try and branch out you should try and see what else is going. i mean kfc have some pretty good beans are they heinz beans i don't know they but uh um, you know over here in uh the southern united states we like our yeah. bushes bushes baked beans oh i see right yeah so it's not worldwide like heinz aren't like cracking in but yeah. you know um yeah, I, I think baked beans are really nice. I know some people who have, a, like, they don't like baked beans, they have a fear of them, but I just think they're so versatile, nutritious. Um, yeah, I, I like baked beans a lot. Baked beans, yeah, you ever have beans on toast? No, I, I actually oh, Is that a European mate. thing? I don't know, maybe it's a UK thing, but if you're at home, get some toast, get some butter on it, and then crack a tin of beans, just fucking go to town. Obviously warm them up, don't just like, don't just rule dog the beans, but like, you know. Does, um, does it have to be toast? Can you do like a baked bean sandwich? Yeah, I guess you could, but the, the meal is the meal is called beans on toast. So like, wow, but it can't be like beans in between toast. Yeah, just that would I guess throw off the bean to bread ratio. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. It's just like you can't just be like, oh, does it have to be toast when the meal is called beans on toast? Like it's a bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll try it. I'll try it. I guess. Um, right. Let's go back to our guests and see what they have to say. And I don't know what order the guests are coming in, so either this is going to be about army men or flags. I don't know. Dallas, play. Click. My next guest is Simon from Philly, who knows way, way a heaps bunch loads about flags. Have I got that right? (laughs) That I do. Um, Yeah, so uh, my name is Simon. I live in Philadelphia. Um, I am the host of the uh, On Hiatus Vexillogicast, which is a podcast about flags. And I'm also the founder of the subreddit r slash vexillology on um, Reddit. Which is something that I checked out myself. And trust me, there are a lot of people there who know so much about flags. And not just the flags that are used today uh, at the UN and, you know, um, the EU headquarters and stuff like that, but historical flags. Um, So... Tell me, what is, what is your favorite flag of all time, you know, historic or maybe used in present day? 
Favorite is a tough, tough question. I know it is, and I, I really want you to answer it though. <laughs> oh boy, that's all right. Um, so if I can give uh, maybe some categories of favorites, um, okay. starting with the favorite national flag. Um, I like the flag of Chechia, uh, the Czech Republic. Um, it's a, a real simple design, uh, but it's one of the two uh, per pale designs. Per pale, per pal. I always confuse them. There's one. Uh, it looks like a Y, basically. Um, okay. It's that and the, oh God, brain. Um, the Philippines, I think, are the only two Y-shaped national flags that are three colors, right? Um, South Africa obviously has a Y as well, but it's more colors than that. Anyhow, yeah. Um, simple coloring, uh, uh, historically important, and it has a, a fun little history of how it has those kind of pan-Slavic colors to it. I don't know if you yeah. want to hear that. Um, so that would be my favorite national flag. Have you heard how um, the... So places like Dubai, Afghanistan, I believe Iraq, they have the same color scheme, which is green, black, red? Yes. Yeah. I really like that. I like how they've all come together and they've said, we're going we're gonna to stay true to these colors. And all of us... Just mix it up a bit. Yeah, you'll see uh, a lot of uh, pan X flags. Uh, so you have these uh, South American colors, uh, the uh, yellow, uh, red, and blue. Uh, so you see that repeated over and over. The kind of Bolivarian colors, Simone Bolivar. Uh, you'll see pan Arab colors. You'll see uh, pan African colors, pan Arab colors, and then pan Slavic colors. Or yes, you'll see a lot of it. It's, it's interesting to have a, a regional identity beyond. Um, just ethnicity. So is that, um, if you look at like the Norwegian flag, the Swedish flag, and also the Finnish flag, oh, oh the, the Danish flag as well, um, with that sort of cross, is that the same similar sort of thing? So could you tell us why those flags have the same sort of design? So, I mean, exactly that. Uh, uh, instead of having a, um, the same colors, they have a same pattern. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's just about identity. It's just about well, all right, so I'm going to uh, walk that back a little bit and say... Sure, go ahead. You know, these... these. I can't specifically say why each country has each flag off the top of my head. Um, okay, no worries. That said, you know, there are certainly historical reasons why, oh, you're seeing this flag fly. I'm going to model my flag off of that flag because that's the one that I see, you know, on the ships that are in the... Uh, port you know what i mean mm, yeah, so, yeah yeah because you have to remember that the internet's only existed for you know 30 40 years right um, yeah before that if you saw a flag it was in person um or in a book so that for example the uh, american flag is based off the british red ensign um because that's the flag that the american call well the colonists had uh yeah on hand to convert to uh something uh to proclaim their identity I like seeing, um, if any of the listeners actually do ever fancy it, I um, before I researched uh, flags and everything like that, um, it's interesting to see the evolution of the American flag. And obviously, because you start off with, off with the uh, 13 colonies, I believe, mm -hmm. um, representing the stars. And then obviously that branched out and every single star now represents a state, uh, except for, I believe, um, Puerto Rico and another, uh, another place. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's not represented on your flag because they're uh, Puerto Rico, DC, um, Virgin Islands, That's a couple right. other places. Um, they're not states; they're territories or okay equivalent. Um, for example, um, Alaska was a territory for however many years. I, well, I can do that math right about a hundred years because it was bought during the Civil War and became yeah. a state in the fifties. So about a hundred years. Uh, and then when, when it transferred from uh, territory to a state, it got a star. Yeah, and I believe you bought that from the Russians. Yes, yes. The Which uh, was very funny because Alaska has a lot of oil. Yes. <laughs> so, and and <laughs> gold. The original, uh, the Yukon gold rush was uh, really what put, uh, uh, made it go from a bad deal to a good deal. I see, I see. Well, and also Anchorage and... Um, the military base out there. Oh yeah. God bless your troops out there. <laughs> whatever, whatever they're up to, I don't know. Right, right. And so I'm going to pause you right there and say that. Uh, oh sure, go. On. You're based in the UK, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Um, your flag is missing a constituent state. 
Uh, because oh, yeah, your flag yeah. represents uh, England, Scotland, and Ireland, and Wales uh, is not part of the design there. Um, nor is Northern Ireland, I believe. Well, Northern Ireland is uh, um, represented by uh, the red saltire. That's the X shape. Ah, I see. Oh, so Wales is just entirely, yeah, entirely, yeah. Um, if you look at the the history between England and Wales, um, I would say that's probably by design. I don't know how much you know about the UK history and stuff like that, but um, the 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 English. I I want to stress. There's a there's a world of difference between the British and the English. Absolutely. Um, the, the the English killed the Welsh um, royal family, um, and essentially, as far as as far as I'm aware, as far as my knowledge goes, um, the English were not very nice to the Welsh. <laughs> but uh, the Welsh did put up a good fight, and I I believe that they have the most cap the most castles per square mile um, in all of Wales. So you know, they, they gave it a good shot. And you hit the nail on the head there for why the flag is as it is. It's because it's the uh, the United Kingdoms. It's about uh, the heads of state. Uh, right. And the, the, the king of England and the king of the, the kingdom, the king uh, ship, the, whatever, the office of the king, whatever you want to call it, combining to make, you know, uh, uh, England and Scotland joining and Wales just kind of tagged along under the umbrella of England. That's right, yeah, and also the um, Ireland as well was also a, a very controversial uh, location. But that's that's history, and let me ask you a, a question I really, I do seriously want to ask you. So I'm, I'm a bit of an artist on the quiet, sure. you know, I, I dabble, and um, purple, the color purple is a very unique color. I don't know if you how much you know about your history of colors, but purple historically was a very hard color to fabricate, and that's why, um, for example, the crown jewels, uh, the queen's crown jewels, the crown is purple with the fabric to show opulence, it's to show wealth because purple was so hard. Then, in the nineteenth twentieth century, it became more easier to make, but I can't think of the top of my head a flag that is purple. So, do you know of any flags that are purple? So, uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head that are national flags, uh, because right. national flags got kind of grandfathered in um, most of them before commercially available synthetic dyes became available. Uh, for yeah. example, mauveine, which was uh, created from coal, coal ash, coal tar, something like that, in the, I'm going to say, 1860s, 1870s, yeah. um, which was the first synthetic dye. Uh, uh, I know it's pink, by the way, pinkish, purplish pink. But yeah, uh, so a lot of national flags got their patterns already started, or we talked about the Pan X flags. Um, they already had those colors kind of defined, and so we're going to continue following this pattern. Uh, uh, so that's why you don't see a lot of purple. Uh, uh, that's conjecture on my part. I suspect that is why you see, don't see so much purple in national flags. Um, yeah. The one place that I have seen it used is... Um, Invariant Spanish flags. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't. I can't give you the reason off the top of my head on that one though. And and, and what about um, pink as well? You briefly touched on pink. Is that this for the same reason? Yeah, exactly the same. Um, yeah. So okay. Um, you asked if I could think of any flags that have purple in them. I can't off the top of my head. The LGBT flag. Has ah, of course. Yeah. Hey, how could we? How could we? How could we forget about that? And it used to have pink. Yes. Which, uh, because of dye issues and availability of bunting, uh, uh, they had to remove the pink. Well, do you know that every single color of the LGBT flag actually stands for something? I do indeed. Yeah, and, uh, but I can't off the top of my head tell you what they are. But I know that it does. It does. I think one of them is sunshine. But I, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's like love and magic and that sort of thing. It's I think it's, uh, yeah. I should look it up before I say the name, but I think it's Gilbert Baker was the designer. Uh, designed it in 76, 78, something like that. Um, yeah. Assigned these meeting, uh, meanings, uh, created an eight-stripe flag. Um, mm. And then, uh, yeah. It, it, here's something I would like to hammer home is uh, flags are physical objects. They're things you can touch. They're things you construct. They are not images on your screen. Of course. Um, and so availability of material, uh, durability of material, 
uh, durability of dyes, all that goes into the design and creation of a good flag. Yeah, well, and touching on the LGBT flag, um, this year I noticed, especially in Pride Month, um, they added the um, sort of trans color scheme and also the the, the Black Lives Matter scheme um, into the LGBT flag, uh, into the sort of Y shape that you were talking about earlier, sort of, sort of horizontally flipped Y shape. Do you think that flags, especially LGBT flag, is going to evolve in that way? Um, and do you see other countries evolving their flags? So, for example, um, New Zealand were considering dropping the Union Jack because uh, the Union Jack features in, for example, the Hawaiian um, state flag. So, do you, so just like the LGBT flag evolved, do you see other countries evolving in the same way? Or do you think it's way too much of a pain in the ass and no one's really going to do it? I think there's a certain uh, uh, pendulum swing going on. Um, I think the LGBT, LGBT flag is uh, um, a bit of an outlier um, because they are looking to be so inclusive, which is a good thing. I mean, absolutely. But I I don't think it's an objectively good-looking flag, uh, uh, the newer ones. I mean, I, I applaud what they're doing. I applaud the message. Of course. But... Uh, uh, <clears throat> you fill up a flag with too many elements and it just uh, goes to shit, basically. Um, right. And uh, uh, do I see national flags doing that? No, I don't. Uh, I mean, you have some complex national flags, um, but you'll notice that the complex ones, with the exception of the U.S., um, are generally uh, uh, smaller states that don't have to manufacture a bunch of flags. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. Because the reason we have... <sighs> We think of flags when we think of nations is because of shipping, right? Right. Um, Because you're on the sea, you got to figure out who that guy is that's a mile away, you know, before they come up and either shoot you with cannons or whatever, right? Right. Um, Because you don't need flags on land because you're probably in the country that you're in, you know, unless you've got an army, in which case you're looking at the guy with the uniform across from you and, you know, you know, your friend is over on this side and the opposite side is that guy. So ships are, you know, kind of the reason we have flags. Not again, you know, asterisk and qualitative, whatever aside. So if you have a giant merchant navy like uh, the UK or the US or uh, France or any of that, you got to outfit all these ships with a flag. Um, yeah. And each of those flags costs money to sew and to create, and so you designs tend towards simplicity. Mm. Very strange question to throw at you here, but why is the Nepal flag the shape that it is? <laughs> I haven't the slightest idea. <laughs> I'm glad I caught you off guard with that one. For, for the listeners who don't know what the Nepal flag is like, it's it's two triangles. I think that's I think I'm right in saying that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. And why haven't we ever seen a circle flag? Uh, you wouldn't be able to put a circle on a flagpole. Um, or, or or just one triangle? Do you, is oh. there a, a is it just design for for national flags? Um, yeah. So um, you see some weirder flags when you get into uh, historical flags and to uh, subnational flags, um, right? So the the flag of Venice, for example, has I want to say seven. I could be wrong. It could be nine. It could be five. I don't remember. Um, but it has, uh, uh, so I'm going to say seven and just be wrong. Um, streamers coming off the back of it, right? So it's, wow. kind of, it's got a square with a lion yeah. on it, uh, the lion of St. Mark, and then a number of additional pieces coming off the back. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sorry, I just pulled off a picture of it. It looks amazing. Right. Um, and then if you've got a, a, a picture there, because this is going to be hard to describe, you might have to describe it, is... Um, Look up the, oh God, what would it be called? The naval flag of Sweden or something like that. Okay. Um, and you're going to see a thing that has, uh, it looks like a, um, it's, it's squarish on the hoist side and on the fly yeah. side, it, it turns into uh, three jagged edges. Yeah, I, I think the best way to describe it for our listeners is that it has two legs and then a middle leg. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the best way to describe it. I think that's, it looks like something you'd find in medieval, in medieval Europe, essentially. It's very cool though. Have you, do you know the Cornish flag? Have you ever seen the Cornish flag? I don't know that off the top of my head. Oh, 
It's so if you can picture the um the the English flag, so you know the the white and red um, Saint George's cross. Imagine sure. that, but it's black instead of white and white instead of red. It's it's like a goth flag. It's very cool. Oh sure. Um, so is that uh, I, so? I've pulled it up, and that is the flag of Saint Pyron or Pyron. That sounds right. Yeah. So basically, Cornwall is, um, if, if you imagine looking at the, the mainland of uh, the United Kingdom, um, Cornwall is sort of like the leg, the bottom leg part. And the Cornish people who live down there, God bless them, whoever whoever's listening from Cornwall, fiercely um, uh, prideful about their Cornish roots. And they will cling to that flag. And they would rather uh, show that on the back of their vehicles than um, the British you know, the Union Jack or maybe the English flag. They, they are very patriotic. Which brings me on to my next question. Obviously, in America, you have um, a flag that is controversial. <laughs> Many. I think you'll know which flag I'm talking about. Uh, are we talking Confederate flag or are we talking... I'm uh, talking the Confederate flag, <clears throat> indeed. <laughs> the fact that you know more, more than one controversial flag. But I'm talking about the Confederate flag. Um, I'm going to pause you one second there and say that uh, I just did another podcast about uh, controversial variants of the American flag. So like oh. Blue Lives Matter and a, a couple others like that. Uh, uh, so yeah, I've, I've got a, a few on the brain here. Um, okay. But go ahead, but the Confederate flag. Mainly oh. about Confederate flag. So as far as I'm aware, the Confederacy lasted for just a number of single digit years. It wasn't even that long. Um, yet it gained the flag. What is, as a flag lover, how do you feel about it being used on things like bikinis or on like car hoods or on hats? You know, it, how do you feel about it, this historic flag that never seems to want to die? Well, so this is a, a complicated question about race relations in the US, um, of which I'm not the most qualified person to talk about. Um, of course. That said, that specific flag, which is the battle flag of the Northern Virginia Army, it wasn't even the flag yeah. of the Confederacy. Um, oh! Yeah, uh, it wasn't the national flag. Yeah, it got, the motifs got repeated and stuff, but that, the flag that we're talking about uh, uh, for the listeners is the uh, a red background, a blue saltire, which is a blue X with white stars on the X. Yep. Um, that flag was resurrected in the, I'm gonna say 1950s or so. Um, I see. Uh, uh, during the Jim Crow era to specifically oppose voting rights and human rights uh, for black Americans. Um, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so that, that was specifically a, uh, uh, because flags are about identity and you're identifying yourself as somebody who says that black people should not have human rights. Um, right. It's not a historical flag. It was resurrected to say specifically that. The same reason, I don't know if you remember all the, uh, or even heard all the uh, the issues with statues in America and taking down of the course, statues. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I, I come from a city where um, we, we threw one of our statues in the harbor. Oh, I remember that. That was great. Uh, <laughs> that was my city. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And so uh, um, these statues are not old statues. They weren't put up like during the Civil War or even immediately after. Um, they mm. were put up um, in the 1920s with the growth of the KKK, and they were put up in the 1950s with the, uh, uh, again, a, a reaction to, during the civil rights era. So right. it, they're oppositional to human rights. But you think it should, it's just, a, like you said, it's the, the battle flag of the Virginian army. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yep. Yeah, so, so in your mind, you're just thinking to yourself, this is a totally irrelevant flag. Or they've got it wrong in some way. Yeah, it's the flags evolve, flag change meanings. Um, sure. You know, this is certainly uh, um, the same way that, um, and I, sorry, jump to right wingers again, um, but, yeah. you know, people recognize the Nazi swastika now, you know. Of course. And so a lot of the neo Nazi groups use other runes and symbols to say that, oh, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, we're, we are still Nazis, you know, you know, the, the, the co-opting of other symbols to use in an in-group. And I can't think of a, a good equivalent that, that is that is not far right, but that's just because that's where my brain's going at the moment. Oh, how about the, the, the Triskelion? Do you know the Triskelion? Oh, yes, absolutely. 
So that that's popular on, uh, I believe, the Isle of Man with the three legs. And Sicily. Um, and, and, oh, Sicily, okay. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, I was going to say uh, Celtic or Celtic, depending how you say it. Um, flags as well. So, yeah, that's another one. So I think we are at the end of this interview now. We have run out of time, unfortunately, Billy. Uh, unfortunately, I can't say that word. <laughs> um, but what we like to do to our guests before they go is to give them a platform for them to um, promote themselves, perhaps their social media or a website or a project or a charity or maybe someone in their life that they really care about and they want to shout out. So this is your time to send a message to the world, whatever you like, within reason. Uninterrupted, away you go, Simon. This is your time. Sure. Uh, um, I wish I had something planned or something more exciting. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I suppose the easiest thing is to promote myself or my... So I should say that uh, the subreddit r slash vexillology is a wonderful little community. Um, yep. You'll notice that it goes through waves of content, but in general, uh, we, we try to make it um, a nice place to talk about flags and flag design uh, on yes. the internet. Um, I hope to resume the Vexillogicast, and that is spelled V-E-X-I-L-L-O-G-I-C-A-S-T. Uh, I hope sure. to resume the Vexillogicast uh, at some point in the future. Um, and if you want to see just the dumb crap that I do, um, uh, uh, I can, you can search Simon Pennon, P-E-N-N-O-N. Um, it's a, a, a made-up name. It's a pun. It's easier than my real name. Um, but I have social media and stuff like that. Uh, you can see, like, uh, I took a two-year trip around the world. Um, I post, you know, stupid drawings and stuff. Um, I try to write fiction. Um, so that's that's personal plugs, and I don't have anything. Uh, if you're feeling like giving a charity gift to Alzheimer's, I don't know. So. Oh, that's fantastic for you to say. Yeah, Alzheimer's is a very worthwhile, worthwhile charity. Alzheimer's research and Alzheimer's awareness is a great charity. And for those of you... Again, looking for Simon's name, Simon Pennon, P-E-N-N-O-N, Pennon. Um, thank you so much for coming on and for and for teaching us about flags. You're quite welcome. Thanks for having me. And I, I, I dearly hope that at least one listener out there has now learned something and has now it flared up the passion for flags. So thank you so much, Simon. Thanks again. Welcome back to a podcast with strangers and thank you so much to our guests, Simon and Eshkab. And also thank you to our uh, listeners for tuning in again week after week. Uh, if you do do that, maybe this is your first time listening. Maybe you're having such a, a fantastic time. You're going to go back and you're going to listen to all of them and you're going to make t-shirts with our faces on it. Um, by all means, by all means. Actually, no, don't because then it's, 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 intellectual property but but we'll make the t-shirts okay we'll make the t-shirts if you're listening on itunes please could you rate us five stars uh we're just going to be frank about it um if you leave us one star that's fine uh it'll break dallas's heart i'll cry yeah so that's up to you um but yeah, yeah five stars would be fantastic we we do actually have a five-star review no i actually want to say yeah yeah we do we actually actually do somebody out there actually did i didn't even know my mom knew about this this is crazy Hang on, hang on. I'm gonna fucking find it. Jesus Christ, where is it? I found it. Five out of five. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's lit. Great host. Who said that? Uh, 109SC. 109SC. I love him. I love him or her. Whoever you are, I love you. Thank you. It's lit. What do you mean by great host? Like me or Jake? Which you can, one are you talking He means about? you, Dallas. He means you. He means okay, you. Okay, okay. I just he means I you. better fucking. I have stuff to work on. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I have, so, I have feedback. It's fine. Yeah, maybe we'll get the next five stars. I don't hey, know. maybe. Hey, who knows? Uh, 109SC, was that his name? Yep, that's their name. You are a champion. We love you. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can. It's strangers P D C S T. And if you'd like to be on the show, uh, you can email us a podcast with strangers at gmail.com. And we do not do background checks or criminal record checks. <laughs> Join us next week for our next guests, uh, which I don't see on the dot. Oh, yeah. Annie May and Hannah without a H for Girls Night. Girls Night. I might shave my legs for the occasion. I'll shave my head. Let's do it. Okay. 
All right, girls' night. Let's go all in. All right, I hope you're. Uh, I hope you're ready for girls' night. Get you. Get your nails did. Get your toes did. Shave your legs. Put on your best dress. Um, Dallas, any parting words? Uh, yes. Bye. Good. Girls just want to have fun, guys. Have a nice weekend. Bye. The word for this week is our. The word for this week is our. That's that medium.